Father, we this evening, we once again, we come to you, Lord, first and foremost. We want to thank you for the gift of life. We want to thank you for the gift of salvation. We want to thank you, Father, for a place to gather. We thank you for hearing ears. We thank you for the ability, whatever ability you have given us to understand your word. We thank you for faith to believe. Now we pray, Father, speak to us. We want to lift you up this evening once again. As your servant said, Lord, as he ended his worship, we want to put aside everything else. Come, Lord Jesus, be glorified in our midst. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, lest I forget, let me give you the uh, the title for today's message. One of the things which I have understood that titles sometimes make a difference. You know, not here, but the ones who listen. So today's title is, Please Update Your Profile. <laughs> so we'll begin with the core text, okay, because we all have these profiles because we want to give an image to people about who we are, right? So let's go to the core text for today, Romans 8 and verse 29. Yeah. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, that's something which only God can, nobody else, no angel, no man, nobody has that ability. Only God, even before he created anything, and before he even created the first man and the last man, he knew who would be saved. So for whom he knew in advance, he also destined their beginning till their end. That's what David is saying in the volume of your book. It is written about me. Every day has been written. That's something which we as God's children should know. He knew of me before he created me. He's already planned out my destiny. Now my job is to find that and walk in it. But in the process, he also, the main purpose was that we would be conformed to a particular image. That is the image of his son. This is the end of salvation. The end of our salvation is that we have been conformed to a particular image. That's the image of his son. If possible, it is possible, totally conforming to the image of God's only son. And if we reach that end, we could say the work of Jesus was successful in our life. That we were utterly saved. That's what Hebrews 7 and verse 25 says. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost. That everything in us which doesn't agree with that image is removed little by little by little by little. Sometimes in big chunks, chunks. Okay, big chunk, sometimes small, but when it is over, he can say, you are saved to the uttermost because we have been conformed to the image of his son. Because you see, it's only when it comes to man, uh, image is important. Uh, we make 
lion, the king of the jungle. But the lion doesn't have a profile like that. I have never seen a lion on WhatsApp with his profile. We put the lion's profile as our profile. Okay? So that's something very unique to man. And it, it, it's not started by man. It was started by God. In Genesis verse 1, in chapter 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us make man in our image. It was God who began this image business. He says, let us make man in our image. So verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Okay? So it was God who created man in his image. That's why we had, we have this. And after the fall, of course, the image was marred, but this consciousness of image has never left us. We are very conscious about our image. Now there is a problem after the fall, especially after the fall. Connected with the image is something else. Okay, remember image. Keep image in the back of your mind. We'll keep it bringing to the front and taking it back to the back again. But Isaiah 42 and verse 8. Another part. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Now, he associates glory with image. He says he will not associate his glory with any image, doesn't tally with his image. So you have now image, now we have glory. Remember, that's our also consciousness because we are created in the image of God and we have fallen. So we want the image and we want the glory associated to the image. If there is no glory in our image, we won't choose those profile pictures. All our profiles are connected with glory. So there is an image and there is glory. Now the third thing, Genesis 11 and verse 4. This is a fallen man. Image, glory and verse 4. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. The reason, let us make a name. So now there is image, there is glory and there is a name. We want to make a name for ourselves. Okay, so everybody wants to be a brand name. Okay, it's our brand, a name. So let us make a name for ourselves. So we have image, we have glory, we have name. That's a fallen man's desire, originally put by God. That man would have the image of God and the, he would reflect the glory of God and you would always honor God's name after the fall has become, we create our image, we want glory on us and we want to lift our name. But God tells Abraham in Genesis 12, I will bless you a great nation, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. He says, I'll make your name great. Okay? So connect it. You have an image. You have glory. You have a name. But let's get back to image first. There are different kinds. When you think about image, remember there are different things we need to understand. First, I will use a term called a projected image. The projected image is the way we want others to see us. Have you ever found 
anybody, married or unmarried, married man telling his wife, you know, when I am sleeping and snoring and dribbling, take that picture, I want to put it on my profile. Have you ever heard anybody? No. Everybody wants that, that best shot you can probably get as their profile. So projected image is the way we want others to see us. Okay? Perceived image is the way others see us. Actual image is who we really are. And the image of Jesus is what God wants us to become. So there are four images. Four. One is the projected image, how I want everybody, every one of us want others to think about us. The second is, because we are not so media savvy, that may not be the way others really think about us. Okay. Simple, lot of examples in the Bible, but simple. Gideon is a darpuk. He's a fearful guy. It doesn't matter what God shows him. He's got such a low image, self-image. Because that's how he perceives. But he has no clue how others see him. So God says, okay, final. You just go to the enemy's camp quietly in the night and listen to what they say about you. When he listened to what the enemy spoke about him, he was shocked. He has got such a low image of him, so the enemy is terrified of him. They think about him as a warrior. Okay? So our projected image... And of a perceived image. Now usually it is the other way around. We project ourselves as a warrior. But usually people think that. Oh that is a darpuk. Projected. Pursued. Then there is this actual image. Who we are. Where nobody is watching. That's the real we. Who we are. Okay. So who we really are. And then. God says. None of these three. I want you. To become like my son. Salvation is the process through which God changes us little by little if we cooperate. Because of free will, God will not do anything without us cooperating, even after salvation. Okay? And the purpose of Bible study is every gathering, the real purpose of church gathering is so that we hear, we understand, and allow of the Holy Spirit to keep conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the primary purpose of studying the word. Understand that. That's the primary. So our primary issue is with these images. And Jesus wanted them to see the Father in him. In John 14 and verse 9, he says, Have I been with you so long that you have not known me, Philip? Now, Jesus is not going to project his image. He came to project the image of his father. He was very, in our terms, within quotes, he was very image conscious. That in no way should my life not reflect the father's image. I'm not here to reflect my image. I'm not here to make my name. I am not come to bring my glory. I haven't come for any of these things. I have come here to show you what the Father is like, to exalt his name, and to give him glory. So when after a few months or year of ministry and walking together, Philip said, show us the Father. He said, yeah, don't go there, stay there. He said, Philip, have I been? Now he's asking a question. I mean, 
he of course knows, but he's asking a rhetorical question. Sometimes we also ask, no, am I in some way blocking people from knowing Christ? Okay. I mean, I've walked with you so long and you don't understand my God? That's what he's asking. Maybe it's a genuine question. He's saying, Philip, you've been so long with me. Don't you know the Father? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? He says, all my life I have walked in a way that I don't take my place. I reflect my Father's image. I'm not here to do my stuff. I'm here to do my Father's will and reflect His image. But you need to realize, everyone had their own idea when Jesus was walking on earth, how He should do His work. Okay, This is from His family. I put it a simple translation for young ones to understand. And Jesus' brothers urged Him to go to Judea for this celebration. Go where your followers can see your miracles, they scoffed. You can't become a public figure if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, prove it to the world. So they have their own idea what your image should be like. If you are in ministry, then go public. Go public. Let people recognize you. How can you do this kind of miracles and do it quietly without anybody seeing it? Because they had their own idea what should be the image of a servant of God. This is the image you should have. We don't realize so many of the profiles we have taken did not come from Jesus. It came from his brothers. Jesus refused because he had come to glorify the Father and project his Father's image and glorify his name. Now we need to realize where this issue started with this image. Okay, It didn't start on earth started in heaven. The actual image problem. In Ezekiel 28 verses 12 to 15, we have a picture of Satan or Lucifer before he fell. Thus says Lord God, this is about Satan before his fall, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the oins, the jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created. Till iniquity was found in you. Because when I created you, you had it all. You were perfect. So you have a description of the image of Satan or Lucifer when you was created until iniquity was found in him. That is when the problem. What was that? He tried to project himself. That Isaiah explains. Let's look at Isaiah 14. And okay. Yeah, let's go to 17 also. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. The problem is he forgot he was a created being. And he was just reflecting the glory of God. And after some time, he started looking at the beauty. And he thought, that's my own. 
That's what happens to so many servants of God from the beginning till now. They begin very well. Begin. And then the ministry starts working, people start coming, people start hearing, miracles starts happening, and after some time, it is not the sword of the Lord. Ultimately, it becomes the sword of Gideon. It begins as the sword of the Lord, and it ends up as the sword of Gideon. And before you know, they are gone. They are gone. Okay, this is the danger. None of us should ever forget this fact. God is a creator, the self-existing ones. Everybody and everything else was created. Even devil was created. So Isaiah will explain to us in Isaiah 14, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of morning. How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. What was your problem? You did not like the original profile picture which God gave you. You wanted to tamper with it and you wanted to change your profile to that of the creator and not as a created one. That's where the problem came. You didn't like your profile picture. Yours was the best profile picture on in creation. But even the best is only reflecting the glory of the creator. Even the best painting of or sculpture of Michelangelo or anyone is only reflecting the talent of the artist. The painting in itself doesn't have a life. It is reflecting somebody else's talent. In the same way, all of creation does not have a life of its own. It's only reflecting somebody else's. And it is supposed to reflect that image. And when he wanted to exalt his throne, his profile, above the profile of the creator, he fell. And that's the story that happens with all fallen human beings. He injected that poison in. And the poison is, you know what, you eat of this, you will be like God. Your profile and God's profile will match. Same profile. Same. And we fell. Honestly, in all these years of creation, there's been only one man who was absolutely true to the image of God. That was Christ Jesus. He walked in the profile of God, never taking all his years on earth. He never ever took the glory of God or tried to mess up with the image of God or the name of God or the work of God. So salvation is the process by which God restores the redeemed to their true image. In Colossians 3 and verse 10, scripture says, and I have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who, that's a new man. Once we are born again, the new man came in. The new man through the knowledge of God. That's what we have come here for. for. Always, always never forget the core. There are many purposes, but never forget the primary purpose of studying, reading, listening to the word of God is so that we receive knowledge so that we can, through the help of the Holy Spirit, change to the image of him who created us. The beginning of that process is called redemption. And salvation is an entire, entire process. But remember, scripture says we have to put off 
and put on. What does it mean? The onus is on us. God hasn't bent anybody's free will. He will empower us if we use some free will to choose that change, to become like him. But he doesn't automatically change anybody because he has given man that free will and he considered it is sacrosanct as holy. So he will not tamper with that free will. So every one of us have to take. So there is two people in me. The old man is always want to put his profile, his selfie up there. And the new man who is trying to work on his image without projecting because he knows I am nowhere there. And I don't want the old man being projected because he is he's a misnomer. He, he mars the image of Christ Jesus. I don't want that old man to be projected over there. I want the new man. But the new man is under construction. So let's look at another verse where it puts across beautifully in First Corinthians chapter 15, 49. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. What is the image we are bearing inside the old man? The man of dust. Dust unto dust. That's your selfie. All your images will just go down to the dust. Who remembers? What difference does a monument make to the dead man? What difference does it make to the dead man? Nothing. Monument makes no difference. It's all gone. That's what God is talking about. There is a dust man, the old man, and there is the heavenly man. That heavenly man is Christ Jesus. So please keep these things in mind. You may, Some of you may be very, very young and you may ask, what are you doing with you? I'm saying, we are building your foundations deep. So that when the hour comes like David or Daniel or Joseph, when you rise up, you don't have to waste time building on your foundation. You can straight away when God releases you, start building on the upstairs structure because your foundations are strong and deep. A lot of people are still working on their foundations and not able to build their structure because their foundations are very shallow. They did not understand the purpose of salvation. They thought the purpose of salvation was about them and not about God. It was about their image and not about the image of Christ. Okay? So, don't feed the old man. He's dust. But often, if you look today, the church has become the place where the old man, the dust man's image is lifted and glorified. I hear pastors speak. It's all about us. And it's all about that old man. It's not about Christ. It's not death to the old man. And renewal of the new man in the image of Christ Jesus. It's not the glory of God. It's the glory of man. It is not the name of God. It is the name of man that is exalted. So the Bible beautifully talks about this scripture. It talks about man's response to the word of God. How do we respond to the word of God? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read 5 verses, 6 verses. Unlike Moses. Okay, this is when he came down from the mountain. And we are, that's why you need to know your Old Testament. If you don't know your Old Testament, you don't understand your New Testament. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. 
And even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Yeah. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Okay, the Word of God is there. Now you need both. What are we talking about? We are talking about reading Moses, the law, the Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, whatever. We are reading the Bible. But when you are reading the Bible, the Spirit has to work. The Spirit doesn't work. The veil is it doesn't work. The veil is still covering us. The Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You are suddenly free. You are not conscious about your image. You are not conscious about your name. You are not conscious about your profile. You are set free. I am not in this rat race. I am free. All I have to do is build that man like Christ. It's about him. Absolute, total liberty. Otherwise, what will happen? You post something and the whole day you're looking how many likes, how many dislikes, how many likes, how many dislikes. Yet if God tells you to post something, he originates. It originated with him. And you have released it. And you left release it by faith by saying, you know, I do not, my word shall not go void. Shall not go void. It's none of our business. How we, how God is doing it, we don't even know. Like I was telling my wife yesterday, I had I had a, I had a call of all places from Israel, and this is a lady calling and crying. And you know what? She's a Nepali lady working in Israel as a caretaker, and she said, "Your message, which you preached over there, went and reached there, and I have been waiting for this." And she was talking about, very honestly talking about her life. She said, this is how I was. I'm from a Hindu background. I messed up royally. I had goofed up with my lifestyle. I was walking on the road in a part of India. Two ladies met me. They were Christians. They shared. I came to the Lord. And now I'm almost 60 years old. I am in, in Israel. I'm a caretaker. I fell recently. I broke my leg. I got a uh, steel rod. But I was hungry and I wanted the word. And the word came in my language all the way there. And then she's saying, I want a little piece of plot of land in one part in India. And all I want to do is next year come back and serve the Lord. That's all. Nothing else. Okay. Now you think about it. This has got nothing to do with me. Absolutely nothing to do with me. There is no way we can control these things. We just do our part and step out of the scene. And allow God to do it. We are not looking how many likes, how many dislikes, how many people. No. If we ever go on YouTube, you can be absolutely be sure comments will be disabled. Because we don't want to hear the good, the bad or the ugly. Absolutely. Yes. Amy, absolutely. You know, understand these things. Because... We all with unveiled faces, only those with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. The question is, you and I have to ask is, when I read this, do I see the glory of God? If I don't see the glory of God, I cannot be changed. If I'm looking into sea for stuff for myself, for my glory, how to prosper in this world, I am not being transformed. Because in this, the Spirit will only show the glory of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Nothing else. Honestly, we are picking and choosing, picking and choosing how to feed the old man with the new wine. And the new wine 
is all about Christ. It's not about me or you. It's about him. That's what scripture is saying. Image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. That's it. So always be careful. What is that motivating me to the word of God? But if you do not hear the word of God, with the invitation of drawing nearer to God and changing, the veil will always cover us. And the actual purpose of the word is not fulfilled and we are not being transformed. We will see this very clearly in the Bible. I think Pastor Vijay also preached that last Sunday or one of these days. But we know familiar. On Mount Sinai, when God came, Moses drew near, the people ran off. We'll see Exodus 20. 18. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood far off. They stood far off. They saw all that. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. So many Christians are like that. Pastor, you go study and preach to us. We don't want this thunder, lightning and all in our life. You do make it in the juice and give it to us. We will drink and go. But new covenant doesn't work like that. The problem is, it doesn't work like that. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. We heard that on Wednesday. So the people stood far off. But Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. People stood far off. Moses drew into the darkness where God was. People remained in a distance, at a distance, in the darkness. Moses drew into the darkness and into light. Okay, understand the spiritual difference. Problem here is, if you don't read scripture closely, he went in, he went in, up, 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 and he disappeared. And he didn't come back. One day, two days, three days, four days, five days, one week, one month. What happens? The problem is that man has disappeared. Thundering has stopped. All those visible things that affected your feelings have stopped. And people all say, ah, Zanedo. That's the problem. Jesus said, be careful about signs. Don't follow signs. Don't follow signs. Follow the signifier. Problem is, after 40 days, or after quite some time, 40 days, let us say a little before 40 days or 40 days, we see the reaction of the people. Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Okay. This is the problem. If we don't draw near to God consistently and constantly, we will automatically move into images of our own creation. We start taking God and start making God in our own image. It's not that they did not say we will not worship God. They said we will make God which is acceptable and palatable to us. That's a problem. We move from that image to another image. That's what idolatry is. And worship changes. What is worship? 
32 verse 6. And they rose early the next morning, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat, to drink, and to play. This is an average church service. Eat, drink, and not pray. Play. In the book of Acts, the church gathered over and over and over to pray. In the book of 21st century, the church gathers over and over to play. Eat, drink, and play. Because why? We change the image of God. As we change the image of God, it affects our worship. Because that is what the old man wants. The old man wants, okay, puja kar diya, ho gaya, chhod do, let us eat, let us drink, let us play. And I'm talking about the church. Okay. Our profile is in so many ways of who we really are. They are projecting a profile. They rose up early in the morning. And they offered burnt offerings. This is what. Of course we are a sanctified people. Remember 40 days ago, Moses told us to wash ourselves, clean ourselves, sanctify. Of course we are a sanctified people. And we will also rise up early in the morning. That's our projected image. But this is our real, actual image. We eat, we drink, we play. That's what God is talking about. And of course, there's this perceived image. We are doing it all for God. And this is how God looks like. But their worship reveals their real image. And it was a mess after 40 days. Moses came down. God was mad. 3,000 died. And poor Moses had to go back again. Back. Because he broke the Ten Commandments. He powdered it. It was a total mess. Okay. He went back up again. The problem is, he went up again for another 40 days. That's what we don't realize. The first time he was in the presence of God, he had, I think if I'm right, my memory is right, he just had to chisel those two stones, God wrote. Second time, he had to chisel the stones, he had to write. There is a difference. That's what you need to realize. First time, God wrote. Second time, I wrote. So second time, when he comes down, he's reflecting the glory of God. Because God's nature has been implanted into him. That's the difference. So when Corinthians is talking about, it's talking about the second time, not the first time. There is God's part, and there is our part. First time God wrote. Second time Moses wrote. And everything changes. If you look at Exodus 31 and verse 18. When he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. That's the first time. Second time you go back and you read in 34. So he was there with the Lord another. This is the second time. 40 days, 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. This time he wrote. Nothing changed between the first and the second. First time God wrote. Second time he wrote. Okay, our life should be like that. This time, the law of the law had become the law of his heart inside. And verse 29 says, 
Now it was so when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. He had no clue. He had no clue that his face was shining. Now when they saw his face, immediate reaction. Verse 30 to 32, look at that. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. And Moses called to them and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near. He gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. But something strange happens. If You, you will miss it if you don't see the next verse. Yeah, let's have the next one. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. Do you see that? But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. Very funny. When he goes to God, his face is uncovered. When he goes to people, his face is covered. That's not what we think we should do. We want to be uncovered before people and to be covered before God. But this is a different man. This man is uncovered before God and covered before people. How strange it is. How strange it is because they cannot, they cannot stand the glory of God on his face while he is able to stand the glory of God on God's face. That's how Jesus walked before man. You know how Jesus walked before man? He covered his glory. He displayed it only for a few seconds or minutes on the Mount of Transfiguration and said, this is what I really look like. And they were on flat on their face. Then he covered his glory before men. He covered his glory. Okay. But remember, even Moses or any man can only have reflected glory. Jesus had original glory. But when he came, he reflected his father's glory. He had his own original glory. Very clearly. John chapter 17. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me. He says, here, I did your work and I have glorified you. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had you before the world was. Now I have finished my work. Give me my glory back. So far I was glorifying you. I've done it. Now, I'm equally glorious like you before creation. Restore that to me. So did you see something here? Jesus saying, I have finished the work. So there is image, there is name, there is glory, and there is work. That's why we associate so much glory to work. And certain kinds of work is more glorious. Because there is a glory associated with work. But Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. What does it mean? All of creation is God's work and his work reflects his glory. Therefore, our work has to reflect God's glory. I have to understand the function of work for a believer. If my work doesn't glorify God, I have failed in my work. That's what Jesus is saying. Father, I have brought glory to you by the way I worked. I was very conscious about whom I am working for, how I am working, and that the glory is always yours. 
So there is work and now there is glory. So we don't have to glorify in ourselves. We can only glorify him in our work. You see, we, we may appreciate good work, but we should not receive glory for our work. A lot of people don't realize many of, many of their situations, why we say, I'm not happy in my office, I'm not happy with this. It's got nothing to do with the work. We expected glory and we didn't receive it. We say, I was not recognized. Like I said about Martha and Mary in Lazarus, in their home when Jesus came. Martha is, I mean, Martha should have been so happy. I got an opportunity to cook for the Lord. But she was so mad and she comes and bursts out. But I also personally feel if Jesus during the meeting had stopped for two minutes and said, let's all give a hand for Martha. She's doing an excellent work. Martha would have been singing and working. I've been glorified. But that's the whole issue. And I, I hate PR pastors. Everywhere big meetings I go. And they are good PR people. Exalting young people. And all know about worship. And I tell my leaders. I said don't you dare do that. Don't you dare do that. No I was teaching the other church on Sunday. I was telling them no. Uh, worship. Let's say worship and dance. Dance is at three levels. The dance of the body of the flesh. That is the dance of Herodias. At the end of the day, John's head is cut off. So that's what I told my young people in that huge convention. I said that when the song was being sung, you danced. But when the word was being preached, you sat like this. What are you? The dance of Herodias. You're cutting the voice of God off. How come worship does not reflect into the way you are receiving the word? And not even my word, the worship leader's word. And then there is a worship of the soul with understanding. Oh, Egypt is destroyed. The Red Sea has covered them. Miriam and the ladies all take the tambourines and they start dancing. Which is true. When good things happen, we dance. They're the worship of the soul. But when bad things happen three days later, why did you bring us here? Was there no graves in Egypt? Dance is stopped. Then there is worship of the spirit. That is reflected when David is dancing before the ark. Because scripture says the presence of God was with the ark of the testimony. And there's a woman who looks at him with contempt. And three months earlier somebody had died because of the ark. But this is a worship of the spirit. Irrespective of who is looking, who is not looking. So we always have to ask, where am I in this? Am I listening with my body? Am I listening with my soul? Or am I opening up my spirit? Because Jesus said, my word is spirit. My word is spirit. And that's where we have to come and see how different people have reacted. Because the issue is that if I don't react in the spirit, I cannot be changed. I cannot be conformed. And that is the end of my and your salvation to be conformed more and more and more and more and more in the image of Jesus Christ. So we may appreciate, but somebody may appreciate for our work, but we don't take glory for our work. When you look at the real men of God in the Bible, nobody would dare ever to take glory. And King Herod, when he took glory, he had to die 
such a terrible humiliating way scripture says he was eaten by worms and there was no deworming medicine then and he just died god says that's what you are you are a worm trying to take my glory die like one not the hand of a lightning stroke you will die of worms will be eaten away by worms this is stealing my glory you created thing what do you have to glorify about that's what jesus was trying to teach us we look at the lord's prayer and like parrots every church repeats it what was he saying a father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth and ends it with thine is the power the glory forever and ever it's about him it's not about you and me and the new man is him it's not me it's not me it's him and the old man is dust the new man is a heavenly man so let me tell you when you talk about image image basically means copy it is a copy right now you know i mean roshan is not here today johan is not there today john richie is not there today these are uh, cameramen okay so if you know your copy is if it's uh, like uh, today's kind of cameras it depends upon your what basically your megapixels okay you will see 7mp 15mp 20 the higher the megapixels the better in the digital camera the detail okay if the sensor quality is better and the lens quality is better you get true really good copies but there's no camera who can actually take your real copy you know that right nobody has actually really seen their face because you look into anywhere you are inverted you're inverted okay so nobody knows actually what he looks like others may tell you but that is left to imagination so even your photo is not a good copy the question is who then can capture the image of god so any image of god we try to create is never true to the original there was only one true copy if you could say in the flesh that was jesus he was the absolute true copy of god that was jesus that's why the bible constantly says keep your eyes fixed on jesus not on god on jesus why you can't see god but you can understand jesus because he came like you fix your eyes on jesus look at what colossians 1 says and verse 15 yeah he is the image of the invisible god if you were to take a snapshot of the invisible god and print it that's jesus this is the image of the invisible god it's not only that the problem is if you apply for your visa or something they will say your passport picture has to be at least 6 months old not later meaning you keep changing you keep changing okay that's why sometimes if they look at your passport and they look at me and i take my glasses off because i look different from my passport picture Jesus look at what hebrews says who being the brightness of his glory is the express image is a current image always up to date image whether you look in the year 2019 or whether you look in 15 ad he's still the express image of the of the father he never changes 
He never changes. The Father never changes. The Son never changes. The Son is the express image of the Father. Therefore, God is telling us, if God in human megapixels could be represented on earth, that was Jesus. And we understand it better than previous generations because of our technology. So look at John 1, 1. This is the original. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was there in the beginning. The word and God are right there in the beginning. And then John, the next one says in 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He stepped into our world and tried to express the image of the Father. That is what Jesus is trying to say. Learn of me. You too can reflect the image of God. And this is his image. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten son of the father. People look at this glory and immediately get wrong. But he says this is the glory. He was full of grace and full of truth. Now we don't understand it. I believe these are also spiritual entities. I believe when kingdom comes, we will realize actually with our spiritual eyes, the glory of grace and the glory of truth. The glory of truth and the glory of grace. That's how he came. So scripture says, by grace we are saved. Through faith. And James 1.18 will say, we are saved by the word of God, the imperishable seed. You know the seed by which you and I were born again has everything one day the tree can have. The seed in minute form is the tree. Only thing it has to meet the conditions necessary to reach full growth. So God says, when I birthed you, in you is everything to reflect my glory. Perfectly in you. Only thing you need to allow it to grow. That's the problem. Unless we see the purpose of redemption and the purpose of salvation, we'll be totally deceived. We are chasing after the, like you say in English, the golden pot at the end of the rainbow. Chasing shadows. While the real thing to chase is that, who am I? I'm a reflector of God's glory. That is my purpose. To reflect God's glory. Listen to what? Okay, you need to understand purpose. If you don't understand purpose, and you can mistake purpose, and run after a wrong purpose for years, and then one day wake up and say, oh my gosh, this was not the purpose. I was running a wrong race. You know, it's like every once in a while you will hear about, no, somebody got and they went through checking everything. And then when the plane lands, they will realize I got into the wrong plane. And I'm 4,000 miles away. I don't have money to go back. A lot of Christians are like that. They have traveled far. Then one day they realize, are you, I am on the wrong track. I was chasing my glory instead of chasing God's glory. I was building my image. Instead of allowing his image to be built in me. I was doing my work. Instead of allowing him to do his work through me. God says, don't make that mistake, children. 
Look at how beautifully God talks to Israel, who is in captivity in Babylon. And he's talking to a remnant. He's telling a remnant, you don't worry, I got you. My eyes are always upon whose hearts are stayed on me. I got your back, you don't worry. You don't look at the situation, I will bring you back. Nothing is going to stop you. He says, thus now, O Jacob, says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When he through pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. He's telling, I redeemed you, I created you, I loved you, you are mine, I put my name on you. You go through the situations in life, you will not drown. You go through fire, you will come through the fire unburned. And then, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. He says, do you know how many nations and civilizations I wiped out for your sake? Because they dare to lift their hands against my people. I have wiped civilization after civilization away because they touched you. That's what he's saying. I gave Egypt as a ransom, Kush as a ransom. Why? For you, because you are mine. And then, since you are precious in my sight, you have been honored and have loved you, therefore I will give men for you and people for your life. Then, fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east. He said, don't worry about your children too. I will bring them from the east and the west. I will say to the north, give them up. To the south, don't keep them. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. This is redemption. This is the salvation story. Nothing is going to bother you. Nothing is going to touch you. But the whole question you need to ask is, why are you doing all this? I understand all this. You love me. You redeem me. You're doing all this, protecting me, keeping me. What is my purpose in this? I understand you. But what is my purpose? Verse 7 says, everyone who's called by name whom I have created for my glory. You're created for my glory. And if I and you after all that he has done, do not show, bring his glory forth and reflect his glory. God did not fail us. We failed him. We failed him for his glory. Understand? Now do you see why image matters? Not what you want others to think or what others think about you. Or what even you or I think about ourselves. The only thing that matters is, what does God think of me? Like I keep repeating everywhere to pastors especially, there are only two entities, two persons, who should know your and my name. It doesn't matter if nobody else knows. God should know my name. He should not say that day, I never knew you. Yo, that's a terrible thing. He should say, I know your name. And the second person who should know is from the sons of Skiva. When they tried to cast a demon out, the demon said, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. Who are you? The enemy should know your name. These are the only two people who should have your profile picture. Nobody else. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. Did we get a little image, glory, name? Work. They're all connected. Don't disconnect any of these things because that is where we try to create our job profile. Right? (laughs) I like Pastor Vijay's resignation letter. 
love it. I said, share it everywhere I go. I said, this young man wrote to his director, the Lord Jesus Christ has called me, so I'm resigning. That is an incredible letter. <laughs> but immediately they think, what? Are church pays you more than? <laughs> right? <laughs> Did they ask you? You see? They cannot understand these things. They understand the world, cannot understand. They automatically think in terms of profile and salary. Work, salary. Ah, oh, their church must be paying more than what we paid him. That is why he left. Okay, so please, get these things right. There is an important factor here. Very, very important factor if you have to continue in this in this way. Pastor Vijay spoke on that. We have looked at it. Pastor Vijay spoke on Sunday. And you don't remember, I remember because I heard it online. Second Corinthians 5.11 Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And I ask pastors, every country I go when I teach pastors, do you know the terror of the Lord? Do you know the terror of the Lord? When you preach, are you aware you will stand before God and be accountable for deceiving your people? About salvation, about redemption and the end and the purpose of salvation. Do you know the terror of the Lord? He says, knowing therefore the terror. The man who went to heaven in the spiritual body many times is saying, knowing the terror of the Lord. A man who heard things uttered by God himself where he was not allowed to reveal it to mankind is saying, I know the terror of the Lord. I persuade men. I persuade men, knowing the terror of the Lord. God is saying, keep the fear of God straight in your mirror. In your, when you look in your, into the mirror of God's word, you need to keep, there is an incredible place for the fear of God. You see, there are primarily two fears. That is the fear of God and the fear of man, fear of elements, fear of death. That's the second fear. If we fear the approval of man, we will give into that projected image how we want others to see us. Because we don't fear God. When we don't fear God, we have false images. That's what happened to Abraham. First he's terrified by famine. Oh, famine comes, we will all die, we will all lose. And then, when he's going into Egypt, he changed his profile status. Single. That's what he did. Let's talk in the language which you... There are a lot of men. When they go to their workplace, they are single. They have changed their profile picture. They act. Like, I know people who joke to me and says, oh, what's in my, in my office, my qualification is MBA. What does it mean? Married but available. They change their profile picture because there is no fear of God. And you want the approval of men. That's what happened to Abraham. First the fear of death and second he feared Pharaoh. Therefore when he entered Egypt he gave a projected image. You know what? I'm a bachelor. I'm a bachelor. And you see these things being played out throughout the Bible. People projecting something which is not true to God's word. Pretending to be something that you are not. That's our major issue. Our major issue is we want to be seen as something which we are not. One of the reasons, in spite of all the goof-ups and terrible sins he did, one of the reasons God loved David. 
he wanted to have a true image before God. That's why God said, he's a man after my heart. God doesn't say, I am the God after David's heart. No, God is the God after everybody's heart. But David was a man after God's heart. He says, change me, Lord. Let me be true in your sight. Let my profile match with your profile. Otherwise, I'm pointless. My life is a waste. That's the difference. That's the difference. And as young people, learn those things from the mistakes of others. Lord, I want to have a true profile. And you see this throughout in the Bible. And that's what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying that even when I preach, and I preach, Lord, I first want to be true before you and not to the people. First, the message I preach should be true to the word of God. Therefore, he says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I will not change the word for anyone because it is not my word to change. I am a messenger. The usual example we use, I am a postman. My job is not to open the letter on the way, oh, I didn't like that letter. I change it, seal it and give it to you. No, that's not my job. My job is to take the letter and pass it on to you, whether you like it or not. Because the message is not mine. So he says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And you look at how he puts across. I put, use a very simple translation in Galatians 1. Am I now trying to win people's approval or God's? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of the Messiah. And he's talking about preaching. He says, I know the fear of God. And not the fear of man. I know after I have preached this message, I know that many times I preach, Lord, you opened this door for me. This may be my first and last sermon in this church. After this, they probably will never call me again. That's what Paul is actually talking about. You know? We wouldn't call Paul to preach in any one of our churches. Honestly, I'm telling you, all these modern fancy churches, they wouldn't allow Paul. Forget, I don't think they will allow Jesus to come in. That's why in the last day's church in Laodicea, Jesus is outside and not inside. They kicked him out because we don't like your message. You see, we are all prosperous people. If you want to come here, share about prosperity, we will let you in. We don't come and tell us you are naked, you are wretched, you are blind, you are poor. Don't We don't want those messages here, please. Tell us how good we are. That's the last day's message in Laodicea in the book of Revelation. Jesus is outside and the church is gathering happily. Understand this. Don't get caught. Fooled. And he is actually dealing with a very, very delicate situation as a pastor. Let us think about it. Let us put it in perspective, okay? Let us say, I went wrong. I went wrong. And Pastor Vijay has to handle it. Now he is looking at, oh, Pastor started so much before me. He was their donkey's ears in the ministry before me. He was the one who was called first. And then only God called me and half my call was through him. How do I go correct him? That's exactly what he's facing. Look at what is happening, why he said this. Look at. No, no. Let's go back to the words I gave you, Sammy. Later when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Senior apostle, junior apostle. Here's the situation. 
Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. But when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that had been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was stepped along in the Sharaz. Simple English, no? You understood, no? What he's trying to say? That's the problem. You see, as long as the conservative Jews, Jewish believers didn't come from James and from Jerusalem, uh, Peter's profile picture was different. He ate with all the Gentile Christians. They had a good time and everything. Then these people came. So as he came, the first thing he went to his mobile changed his profile picture. Now if you look at his breath, he looks just like them. And these poor Gentile people are wondering. Till yesterday he was like them. Today he is like them. And now they are coming and telling, you need to become like them. And they are confused. Because Peter is with them. Who will correct this error? Paul stood up. Paul said, you know what? I am sorry Peter. And I am sorry Barnabas who brought me into the ministry encouraged me. I am sorry. You both are out of line of the image of God. We don't reflect these images. We reflect the image of God that is in line with the word of God. That is what we need to understand. What is our image? Whose image are we trying to appropriate? Have you noticed Jesus? I love going through the Gospels to see how Jesus actually dealt with people. He loved everyone the same way. Poor or rich. He would rush to a rich man's house and he would walk for a poor woman. No difference. No difference. He didn't didn't have this, okay, these rich are all terrible people. I will only go to the poor. He didn't do that. He will say, okay, rich I go, I may get an offering which will last me a month, let me go. He didn't do that either. He didn't do either. He was absolutely clear about it. He never discriminated between a leper or a prostitute. He never discriminated when it came to helping. The same way when it came to preaching, also he never discriminated. Woman caught adultery, go, don't sin again. The man who had been a cripple for 38 years, if you sin again, something worse will happen to. The Pharisee who is walking in his religious pomposity, woe to you, Pharisee. You will also die if you don't repent. He never changed the message looking at somebody's poverty, somebody's bad health, or somebody's exalted person. The message was always the same. When it comes to helping, helped everybody. When it comes to preaching, never changed. Because he knew he had come. With a message that was eternal. It couldn't be changed. That's what it means. Full of grace. And full of truth. He reflected the image of God. And in his work also. He reflected the image of God. See you and I cannot be true to ourselves. No. We need to be true to the word of God. And we have to be true to the spirit of God. We love him. Therefore we obey him. We fear him, so we stop fooling around with sin. We seek truth, so that we can have true freedom. We seek grace, so that it will empower us to seek true freedom. 
and we crave mercy because we know when we fall, it is almost every day, that's the only thing that will hold us. But the danger is to live a projected life instead of the life of Christ. The projected life instead of the life of Christ. Remember the publican, the Pharisee who was praying? He was projecting his life. I am not like this man. And he say, I fast, I pray, I give. Everything was good. But he was empty. He was empty. You know why? Everything that was good, he did, did not touch him because he was stealing the glory of God. Stealing the glory of God. We also have to learn this very, very carefully. There are two things we need to learn. One, cover our own glory. Second, reveal his glory. That's not an easy thing. How to balance this both. Cover your glory and reveal his glory. And the whole new covenant is actually about it. How Christ covered his glory and revealed the glory of the Father. He opened his mouth. He said, I have not come to talk about myself. I have come to talk about the Father. I will not speak anything about myself. I will only speak what I have heard. I will not do anything of my own. I will only see what I have seen my Father do. Absolutely. He knew how to cover his glory and reveal his father's glory. That's why everything is put across in terms of a marriage and a relationship, intimate relationship. Look at it. Let's just take another five, six minutes. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Head of man is Christ. Head of Woman is man, head of Christ is God. And then it comes back. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. So what did Jesus do? He never covered his head. You're not talking about physically. He always reflected the glory of his God. That is why symbolically even that people struggle. Women, cover your head. No. The age of feminism. Me too. If you say, tell to God, me too, God will say, you too, cover. (laughs) Are you getting it? There is no room for any of these things. There is no room, honestly, there is no room for any of these things. This is about Christ. The whole idea God is asking is, man, how can you reveal my son's glory? And God says, practically, one one way, when you come to church, don't wear a cap when you're preaching. Physically. Second, when you preach, it's not about you. It's about me. It's not about your people. It's about me. I am the redeemer, not you. And don't think you can redeem by twisting my words. You can redeem it only when you speak my word and let my spirit do the redemption. It's not in your hands. No man has saved any man except Christ who has saved all men. So he says, don't cover my glory. Reveal it. When it comes to the woman, he says, woman, you represent a man's glory. So cover. Don't show off your man's glory. Because only his glory, God's glory should be. 
and much of our issues in the personal relationships home workplace ministry everything is got to do with seeking glory seeking glory why was there trouble with jesus disciples because they wanted glory lord when you come your kingdom comes what do i want i want right hand left hand and where will the other sit everybody was angry why everybody wanted to sit on Imagine if Jesus had given, he would have to make two sets of bunk beds. Six here, six here. All of you sit on my right, all of you sit on the left. They were all fighting for glory. And here was one man who was full of glory, hiding it and revealing his father's glory. It's this fight for glory that creates in the family, in the home, in the office, in the ministry, in the church, One of the major reasons for all these conflicts is everybody wants to be recognized. I want glory. Oh, pastor didn't mention me by name. And that is me. That's my habit. Because when God called me and sent me out, he didn't send anybody with me. He never mentioned me. I just walked and I walked and I walked and I walked and I preached. Nobody appreciated me. Nobody even remembered me. There was nobody to call to ask for prayer for years of my life. So I got used to it. Now that I am pastoring a church... I don't say anything about anybody. So people get, what is this man? He never appreciates this. <laughs> and I turn around and tell you, isn't that your duty? We are called to do his work. Isn't that our duty? Why do you need to be glorified? Do you know what the Bible says in Galatians 5? I love that verse. 5.26 Let us not become conceited, provoking uh, oh, one another can I have KJV over there? I think it's in KJV. Yeah. You get it? Let us not be desirous of vain glory. There is something called vain glory, you will see. Hava, hava. <laughs> 2019, May. When the election results come, they had many suits and many profile pictures. End of election result, lot of people will say, if I don't lose, I will shave half my beard. Election is over, they have disappeared. You don't see any profile picture with half a beard, half a haircut and all that, no? All this is vain glory. Let us not be desirous of vain glory provoking one another. I have to mention this uh, as I close. <laughs> old days, very, very old days when we used to have worship. There was one brother. <laughs> he had a terrible voice. But he wanted to be in the worship team. So to maintain peace, sometimes we allow senior people to get in the worship teams. Otherwise they will create more havoc. In, in, in ministry, you are giving you a secret, no? In ministry, we have a term for that. We call them necessary evil. <laughs> Because they are, they are less trouble, kept happy than, because they will create havoc if you push them. So what happens is that the mic is there. And he's put in the corner. But as the worship is going on, he will start pushing. <laughs> Finally he's at the end of the mic. Desirous of vain glory. Because you actually think you got a good singing voice. I wish 
he had gone and asked a few people and they were honest. How was, how was my voice? <laughs> so do you see what God is talking about? That's the purpose of coming to listen to the word of God. Because God shows our vanity. And nothing except the word of God in, in what? In the hands of the spirit of God can expose and show me who we really, really are. And I and any preacher should not change the actual purpose of the word of God. Inside the church, it is like the surgeon. He cuts it open like the surgeries we had. You know, a couple of in the church. Uh, the surgeon said, he said, oh, 45 minutes. But it was one and a half hours, two hours, three hours. The reason is that, he said, the profile picture which the x-ray gave and the radiologist gave, even that did not match when I opened you up. I found so many things which I had to remove. That is what God does. Look at beautifully in a simpler English, uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Yeah? Did I give it to you, Sammy? For the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife. Cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires, it exposes, exposes us for what we really are. It shows us. And so many people test cut today. Yeah, today they'll all go back home and change their profile pictures. <laughs> Who we are. Nothing in all creation can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we have done. Do you see, understand? How the word of God works within the community of believer, exposing us, showing us the real image, and giving us the grace. See, if I don't show you the truth, you will not ask for grace. What do you need grace for? For a promotion in your office? No. Lick your boss's boot, he will give you a promotion. Why do you need grace for that? You think all the people who are being promoted in the world is because they had grace? No. You need grace to keep the truth. When you see the truth, boy, this is what I am. This is what he is. You will cry out, Lord, I need grace to change. And God says, I will change you. I will change you. Can I take one minute? Everybody is silent. <laughs> because I just want to finish it. Because the problem is, this is very, very important. Why this? We are image conscious generation. We are on all kinds of apps. No, I am not. Uh, I'm only on WhatsApp. That too, very closed group, very close group. I don't even let somebody come in. I am the administrator. I don't let anybody come in unless they ask me, can I come in? Because I don't want anything I say going outside the group also. But we are all image. It's all about image, 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 image. And when the end comes, this is what scripture says. It also will be connected to an image. And it deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. These signs he was granted by God to deceive the people who were not trying every day to change in the image of his son. They will be deceived. That's what scripture says. Because they did not receive the love of truth, God allowed them to go into delusion within the church. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Christians. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and loved. An image. 
He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. And the image of the beast should be both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. You see how finally, how the, the end of human civilization will end up with the image that can speak. And if you don't worship that image, if you don't worship that image, what do you do? You lie. Do you know? In so many ways, it's already there in society, even in, maybe even in us. If people don't like our post, what do we do? We kill them. We block them. You didn't worship my image. I'm blocking you on Twitter. I'm blocking you on Facebook because I didn't like your comment. Who do you think you are to comment on me like that? Do you know my image? Do you see? It's already there, everywhere. We block them. Be careful, children. We are living in a society full of warped, false images. So many false images of Jesus Christ that people doesn't even know who the real Christ is like. The gospel has been messed up. Totally messed up. Like what they did when Jesus came the first time. Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. They just crucified him. We don't want this Messiah. We don't want this Messiah. Temple with everything taking place. Jesus has been brought into the temple which is being built in his name. Everything that is happening in his his name. Nobody even recognizes the king has come into this temple. Except two old people. One Simeon, one Anna. The Holy Spirit said the king has come. Nobody. That's why Jesus asked the question before he leaves. When the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Faith comes from? Hearing from thee. The word of God is? Truth. Word of God is truth. Man, shall we pray? Father, this evening we just thank you, Lord. Every time, every opportunity you enable us, either alone in our privacy or in as a group of believers, to study, to hear, or even those who work while traveling to listen to a message. We just thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We did not have that desire, Father. You put that desire in us. So we are not even taking glory for having that desire. We we didn't have it. You gave it to us. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. All we pray, Lord, keep speaking to us. We pray, Father, you will never stop speaking to us. Keep speaking to us. That we don't chase after these shadows. We chase after the hound of heaven that chased after us. We don't forget the purpose of our creation. We don't forget the purpose of our redemption. It is to give you glory. In us we have nothing, but we can glorify you through us, through our lives. We can reflect your glory, Lord. We don't want to be the dust man. Because the dust man will be condemned one day to the dustbin of history. We want to be the heavenly man. 
For your word says, the whole of creation groans for the sons of God to be revealed. Your word says we are just earthen vessels. But there is treasure inside us. That is you. Christ, the hope of our glory. Help us never to forget who we are and who you are, Lord. Never cease to give you glory for everything. Thank you, Father. We thank you for bringing us safely into your house. Now as we go back, we are again surrendering our lives into thy hands, Lord. Reach us all to our homes safely, Father. If you tarry to give us another day, you tarry to come and give us another day, help us tomorrow morning to wake up and first and foremost acknowledge you foremost in our life. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.